Welcome back, everyone, to Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast. This is a very exciting episode. This is a special one. I, as always, am your host, Alden Diaz, and I could not be more thrilled to get into a topic that I feel like we've been waiting years to get into, a topic that seemed like the stuff of dreams ever since we knew that new Star Wars was being created, and now we have been just gifted entertainment weekly spreads, interviews, uh, prequel love quotes, and of course, an entire trailer for a little TV show you might have heard of that's on the way, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And for that, I had to bring in a special friend of the show, someone you know and love from the Imperial Senate podcast, as well as his own network, the Charlie Ashby podcast network that includes such shows as the Charlie Ashby Show, Batman Returned. He's also art director here on Octo Radio, handles all the graphics for all the shows all of the wonderful thumbnails and social media pieces that you see are done on this man's computer in his secret lair uh it is charlie ashby my friend howard hello there um no i i i think that's true i feel like they do know me certainly people that know me know me um love questionable very questionable you know what that's what true. is love Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. I, I believe that was um, a very famous quote. Who, who said that again? I think it was uh, Socrates. That said Socrates, that. Yeah. yeah. He's a great band. I was being really generous when I said no in love. Turns out um, I was in a good mood because of this trailer, because of everything yeah. we've gotten. Well, let's um, just redo that because we're, you know, we're, we're, we're both broadcasters and i believe that we should stick to the truth so if you just want to repeat that again and just say people people um are aware of yeah and acknowledge yeah if you know him you know him to, to know him is to well know him i guess um as much as he'll let you in to the inner workings of his life um but yes of course uh charlie goes back uh one of our earliest guests one of our oldest friends for me personally and for all of you out there, Imperial Senate Podcast has been going strong for six years at this point. Almost six. It'll be six this December when Rogue One would have come out. Um, no, it would be six in October or November because it's when the first trailer came out. Mm, or the, okay. the second trailer, you know, the, sort of the main trailer that came out. It was during the, uh, it would have been during the, not Super Bowl, but like, some whatever football game. Monday Night Football that they decided to yeah. drop it during. I remember that specifically because both me and Nikki were living in the UK at that time. So yeah. it was pretty fun to stay up for that. Wow, what a time. What a time. Back when there was only one sequel movie and we didn't know what, what does other Star Wars look like now? What do, what, yeah. is, what are they going to do? What is this? You could do a Star Wars movie that isn't about the, the main Skywalker saga. That was before they even started the Star, Skywalker saga marketing. It was just 7, 8, 9. Yeah. It was, it was like having, it was like, because yes, we had Star Wars back, which is obviously great. We had the sequels, which was fun because now we had an actual like sequel, sequel. But this was kind of felt like, oh yeah, we're back at the prequels now. We've got another prequel back. And that's, that's really what this is. And, and to tie it into that Rogue One conversation, when they said, oh, we're doing standalones, and there had been the rumors of Young Han. At the time, there were rumors of Young Han, but those, had, those really had weight to them because that was like a George thing that had been yeah. in the works. There was also uh, Yoda rumors, Jabba the Hutt rumors. That, that, was, that was a fun time of thinking. But Obi-Wan Kenobi was always at the top of that conversation. For fans, um, Ewan had been getting asked about it since 2012 when the company <laughs> was bought. And at the time, I don't think any of us ever thought 
we'd get Hayden, we'd get Joel Edgerton and Bonnie Pierce. Like that, that, that stuff did not seem like it was ever on the table. Like it just felt like the prequels were a thing that happened and now we're doing new stuff. And, but oh boy, you know, to be in 2022, seeing the entire internet freak out to the choir of Duel of the Fates um, and Battle of the Heroes getting mixed in there and seeing, um, I mean, back then we didn't even really have, we didn't, we didn't have the lore that we have now. I think that we had had Rebels, so we knew what an Inquisitor was. Never thought I'd seen one of those in live action back then. No, when, yeah. When these podcasts were young and... We have to think as well, like... Like you were saying, it's 10 years since Attack of the Clones came out. No, sorry, 20 years since 20, Attack of the Clones came out. 20, and, ne- yeah. and nearly, it's, it's eight years since Rebels started. It's, so it's nearly 10 years since Rebels started. So it's been, what, like almost 10 years since we first saw the Grand Inquisitor. Oh, 20 years since we saw that's Aiden as Anakin. Like 20 years of clones I had prepared myself for. Like, I'm excited for that. I did not expect to hear the words almost in the rebels <laughs> that is so true that's so painful celebration 2024 they could do the rebels 10-year anniversary which is just isn't that it's ridiculous disgusting. that's disgusting um that's, <laughs> that's hurtful yeah that's wow that's so true which and is then, 10 years since the acquisition i mean we're gonna hit a point I, we've already hit that well have we hit it numerically already we have five non-george star wars films but in two more, there will be more non-George Star Wars films than there are George. The next one yeah. will tie it up and there will be a, a half and half split. And a, you tie in these shows and there's, you know, he was obviously on Clone Wars, but there's going to be more. George Star Wars will be the minority. It'll always be the bedrock. But numerically speaking, like, who would have thought that Ewan transitioning into Alec Guinness with no George Lucas, uh, but obviously mm. with his, his fingerprints all over it, of course. And I'm sure we'll get the awesome you know, behind the scenes eventually of him walking around on set, like, oh yeah, I created that. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Name that um a platon plump. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, George. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I do I did love that in the Mandalorian season two he named Axe Woves. Like that's, that's just so great. George, what do you want to name this guy? Uh Axe Woves. And he picked the ra- he picked the raddest stormtrooper outfit design for solo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, was it the range trooper? Yeah, the one with the the black uh bits on the helmet. Oh Why no, the black that? bits are like those security patrol ones. Yeah, That's I think those are the ones that he, he, yeah. he picked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so good. So, so Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, everybody of course has thoughts. All of our friends, everyone, we've all said things. Be that on Twitter or blogs, YouTube videos, TikToks, whatever it is, you know, anyone creates in this space. Of course, we've been talking about it with our friends, and it was um, definitely a treat. You know, within the past week, um, to at the, t- at the time of this recording, within the past week, to get an Entertainment Weekly spread um, with you and on there for what I believe is their last print issue. Um, it is, yeah. Which is heartbreaking in its own way. But, you know, a, a fitting end to go out with a hero like that, seeing the side-by-sides of his Phantom Menace cover with this one is uh, pretty emotional. Now, we've talked at length about Vader on this show with you. That's a character that's near and dear to your heart. People can go back to earlier episodes with you. We've talked about the Skywalkers in general. An overall question to get your thoughts on it. And it's something that I know where I stand on it, which is a firm yes. It seems as if the Skywalker saga won't ever actually end. 
And I think that that's true. And I'm okay with it. I just think it's funny that people say, we have the nine, it's over, we're doing other things. And then a lot of fans will say, yeah, we want new. And then those same fans are like, yeah, Obi-Wan Kenobi, thank God. <laughs> and it's like, this counts. He was a main character of the Skywalker saga. It um, is very funny that you bring that up because I was speaking to a good friend uh, on Twitter. I won't name who, but uh, they're a really, really good person. And they are very much of the mindset of new, 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 everything new, go forward. And I think that's why they appreciate like the High Republic stories, um, all, all that stuff. And they were saying, yeah, like, I just really wish they didn't focus on new stuff. And I put my thought across. I was like, one day I'm going to put my thoughts out on this because I feel like it's very hard to argue with. I think I'm sure people can, which is people focus so much on the mythology and the mythologizing of Star Wars, like, which is true. It's a, it's a mythology. It's, a, it's what George set out to do. But they completely miss or misunderstand or forget the other element of what George is trying to do, which is, yes, there's mythologizing, and yes, you can talk about the wider aspects of Star Wars and what it means and the politics and everything, but it's also a soap opera. It's absolutely just a soap soap opera that happens to be in space. That's why the family drama stuff happens. That's why there's people that are returning from the dead. Is that unrealistic? Yeah. Why? Because it gets viewers in. It's it's that. It's extenders in space. And it's keeping everything... That, I mean, that's also, to your point, my pushback against Small Galaxy. It's like, but yeah. of course, because in, in soap operas, in Shakespeare, in, you know, the, those tragedies, comedies, in old Hollywood, the stuff that George would have watched as a kid, your, your black and whites and all that, all of those classic pieces, it is super tight knit. Everyone knows everything about everyone. There's the interplay, the drama, the betrayals. Like, that's why it's, I'm going to make prequels and talk about Luke's father. Oh, okay, cool. Hey, did you know Luke's father built c-3po like keeping things that are that tight and that small like that's like those things like luke's dad built c-3po r2d2 was the property of luke's mom like and they all oh he actually did know obi-wan even though obi-wan acted like he didn't know him like it's the biggest smallest thing the planets in star wars are planets they all have their rich geographical traits and their cultures and everything but they're they could be accessed in two seconds like we hop from planet to planet in a story a planet is just like the next town over like it's Mm -hmm. a huge huge small thing so to your point i think to get this story is just adding the next sort of wrinkle you know and it's what i always go on about with like the tapestry of star wars like we will never come may of this year see a new hope the same way again and you, you, you shouldn't have since Empire because yeah. just by the nature of sequels, like people go, yeah, but this is ruined. Not really. Like, you know, if you choose to, you, you're free to choose and pick what you want. But everything that's come after A New Hope has changed it fundamentally. It wasn't George with the, the special editions. Empire changed it. Uh, mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi changed A New Hope. Return of the Jedi changed Empire. It's just the nature of mythology. And we talked about my King Arthur analogy so many times, but I'll bring it back up again. If you were to go back to the original uh, Gaelic or Welsh text, n- most of the stuff that you associate with King Arthur would not be in it. There is no Merlin, you know? Mm-hmm. But those are the things you go, oh yeah, of course. You go, you say Star Wars, Darth Maul. Oh yeah, of course, Darth Maul. Yeah, Star Wars. He wasn't in the first three films. But you don't go, oh, technically in the first Star Wars film, there was not a Darth Maul. You, you say, shut up, <laughs> Brian. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, you, Darth Vader yeah. wasn't his dad in the first film. Exactly. And, and I pointed out the other night, like, Darth Vader was also clearly his name in that first film. Uh, yeah. It was like, only a master of evil, Darth. Like, no one 
ever <laughs> does that. And we don't really mind because we know that it's an evolving thing. We know that it was a love triangle for those first two films. We Like there's there's stuff that we just have to accept. So that's, you know, that's the whole like, Oh, oh, but the plan, but the plan, it's like, okay, well, yeah, the plan is written in pencil, which I think was Pablo Hidalgo has said. It's not written in ink. And it's very funny because you see a lot of like comics nowadays, a lot of like, but but actually, but in this comic, you're like, yeah, Superman couldn't fly to the radio series. Mm -hmm. And even that was just a natural, like a nature of, we need to make this more interesting. Yeah, I'm not watching the Henry jump. Cavill, the Henry Cavill Superman. Like, why can't he launch a little Superman out of his hand in some of the Silver Age books? <laughs> like, I mean, if you if you look at if you read up on the Lois Lane comic from the Silver Age, my gosh! <laughs> Which brace yourself if you do. Yeah, yeah like, it's, oh, uh, Lois Lane is turned into a baby, and oh my god, Lana Lang's marrying him, and she can't do anything because she's a baby. Yeah. Or Lois Lane becomes a horse, and Superman's like, not my problem, Lois. <laughs> <laughs> They're not brave enough to do that in the DCEU. Uh, it's, yeah, it's crazy. So uh, that's, that's a much bigger conversation, which we should probably do an episode on separately. Uh, reading comics prepares you for the rest of media. It, it just like, mm. I mean, reading comics plays into, I mean, let's, let's address one of the elephants in the room right now. I think that our love of comics is what contributes to our ability to process things like the Grand Inquisitor not looking correct. Cause it's like, I'm used to my characters just suddenly <laughs> looking different. Like sometimes yeah. in the middle of a run, uh, in the middle of a mini series, sometimes you'll get a fill in artist for a couple pages. Like it, to me, that's just like, hey, oh, that's, that's where... this artist's Grand Inquisitor. Yeah, exactly. It's like you do a book, it's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm writing for the main Batman title. And then someone just goes, oh yeah, by the way, we killed him in Justice League issue <laughs> 74. Yeah. <laughs> you have to deal with that. You're like, oh, okay, I guess I should write with my main character now. That's that's pretty interesting. Now what do we do with... It, 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 it's just, yeah, appreciating those things. And I do get it. Like, I do get why people are mad because I, I also feel like there is an underappreciation of people behind the scenes that maybe we're, we're focused on a little bit more in the past. I know that obviously like Neil Scanlon and everything's had like loads of documentaries about him or mm-hmm. press releases in these films, but you never really see the same amount of detail you had with like, say the Star Wars.com stuff in the prequel mm-hmm. days. And that's a shame because you like, we can, we can say, Oh yeah, well off this because the weight of the, uh, headpiece or it'd be difficult to emote which you know comes to us naturally but for most people it, it just doesn't come across that way it's like oh well they just don't care yeah that's not for us we're thinking like, it's like with the ahsoka mantras or with any tra- of these mm-hmm. translations it's like well yeah no like they they did draw her that way and they did have conversations but also like not just your main actress but your stunt performers like they all need to have the same headpiece that can do these things so it's like and, and, you know, Rupert Friends already got, like, his bone structure, his head. He also has to be able to do things. His doubles have to be able to do things. So there's tons of stuff that goes into it that instead of just standing and saying, 10th level, thousands of battle droids, which is a great Also, book. it's a great performance. Um, but you can tell he's in pain. <laughs> he can't move his head. <laughs> yeah, he's just doing this. He does not, he, he walks, he's got his little cane oh, and stuff. God. It's a great delivery. Um, but yeah, so... He said there'll be more. He didn't say. <laughs> Which, by the way, I one of my favorite things about that, and it's a great Obi-Wan moment, is if you have warriors, now's the time. 
no warriors show up. <laughs> Nobody. It's like <laughs> Tian Medan should have said, we don't. Because <laughs> no one shows up. No, there should be a scene where Obi-Wan like, turns to the left and then you see like a Utapawan house and you see a family look out the window and they just notice that he's looking and they close the curtain. <laughs> they just close the points. <laughs> Sorry, we have no warriors whatsoever. <laughs> We, we talked to the warriors actually, and they said no. Um, yeah, so we'll get into Grand Inquisitor when we start to talk about the trailer. But let me get your what are your overall impressions of sort of what we're seeing, print and pictures in the trailer? How are you feeling about all this after this immense wait? After you know, those of us that pay attention to production, it's it's a open secret that this was going to be a film and then you know the the financial problems with solo made them say well hold on we're going to do this streaming service maybe we'll hold it like how are you feeling about it it's very interesting because i think i'm one of the rare people i don't know if it's rare or just between our friend group or like a few people that we know i i really like solo i haven't watched it as much as the other films so when I rank it low, it's not because I don't like it. It's just because I haven't watched it as much. And I just don't think I, you know, it's still top tier Star Wars for me. Like, all the films are top tier for me. But I do personally believe that Solo could have been an excellent series. I believe it would have been an excellent series. And one that could have perhaps run for multiple seasons. Mm. One that I feel like can still run for seasons. If they were to do a, like, a Solo 2, I'd rather see it as a series than a film. Whereas Rogue One, I feel like, is a, is, is very much a film story. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could have told it much longer than they could have. I mean, I suppose you could have, but I think yeah. for me, it worked really well as a like two-hour film. And I was so glad when they said that Kenobi was going to be a series, because just by the nature of everything in terms of like the Marvel shows, you have more time to explore very intense and interesting themes. And what more of an intense and interesting theme is it of what Obi-Wan Kenobi is doing? The idea of the most powerful, hopeful character basically uh, feeling not powerful and having no hope. That is a story I want to see. And so when they announced that Ewan was back, obviously blew my mind. I was thankful for that. Um, Deborah Chow was directing... She's incredible. So I was like, well, the show's going to look incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's Hayden's back, which was a shock, but was just great because we get to see Vader. I've spoken out in the past about how much I don't like the idea of them fighting together. Like, I didn't want to see them fight until A New Hope, mm. until I saw that concept art. And I was like, God damn it, they've won me over. Let's talk about that because I, I was on the same page. I think that for years, my whole life, I assumed it was New Hope. Right. That's the first meeting. And Vader says to Grandma Tarkin, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Tarkin reacts since the, the first time you see Tarkin a little bit rattled and the, you know, a presence I've not felt since Exit's room. Uh, Funniest, yeah. Which Funniest. is uh, hell, which one of the I, greatest unintentional comedy beats in Star Wars. Well, I think that there is a, just by the nature of the storytelling recently, mm-hmm. Some certain beats to me just seem more comical now, yeah. especially the scene in Rebels when um, the, uh, the Emperor is talking to Vader about mm. finding Ahsoka. I like the impression that Vader just constantly asks about Kenobi. Like every meeting, there's an inquisitorious <laughs> meeting. He's like, Welcome to the inquisitorious meeting. Today we'll be discussing which Jedi we shall be hunting. Okay, if anyone's got any questions, please raise your hand. Lord Vader, please. This is about Kenobi. Put the hand down. <laughs> and you just see like a look. Like, because he goes, Ashoka Kano could lead us to other lost Jedi. And then Vader goes, Such as Kenobi. <laughs> and he yeah. goes, 
Perhaps. <laughs> yeah. And what's great about that is now that such as Kenobi has the weight of, I almost got him. Mm-hmm. Presumably in the show. We'll see how it goes well, down. I like, I like the idea that the show, the way I'm assuming right now the show ends is that is the impression that people think Kenobi's dead, dead. Mm-hmm. So that's why they don't look for him post. Everyone apart from Vader. So then when he brings up, what about Kenobi? That's where the Emperor's like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I I completely agree. Like, It'll be uh, some sort of daring escape that looks like a death. He fakes his death, whatever it is. And everyone will be like, well, good enough for me. Like the Grand Inquisitor, everybody. And then Vader's like, no, no. Because one time on Cato Nomoidia, I saw him do some crazy stuff. And I know that he's too crafty. (laughs) Like, he definitely survived. Um, But I was with you. Back to the original point, I was with you. I thought that it was New Hope. And everybody... You know, on prominent YouTube shows and, and, and fan writing, everyone always points to the Jedi line, which I understood of the Obi-Wan once thought as you did. And what's the story of that line? For me, I always assumed my entire life that, that line was referring to Mustafar. Because yes, Yoda... Yeah, me too. And he knows it might come to that, but he doesn't show up on Mustafar, you know, saber swinging. He shows up with his cloak on. He says, let her go. He's talking him down. It's not until Anakin really sets the terms that he says, I will do what I must and draws the blade. So I thought that that conversation is what Vader had been referring to for years. And it works that way. If the show never got made, there you go. But the idea of taking this character from you were my brother, Anakin, I loved you to the original trilogy where he's like, if you don't kill him, we already lost. Like that there's something there. Where did that I love you get snuffed out? And I think similar to Ahsoka and Twilight of the Apprentice, I think he'll almost reach him. Almost. Mm. Like some sort of, because you don't bring Hayden back if you're if you're not going to do anything with Anakin Skywalker. You could, Rogue One proves, you don't need any actor of note. You get any stunt man of size, get James Earl Jones and... I don't even know if James Earl Jones is confirmed for the show. I hope he is. Um, I feel like he must be, right? He must be, yeah. I mean, we, we got to use you know the legend while we have him. But it, I think that there's going to be that moment of something's going to compel him to reach out. I, I would love it if it was maybe Qui-Gon through a dream, you know, because he's probably still doing his training of getting to the other side. Um, I don't think he is. You think he's cut off? I think the physical outfit is a, is a sign of where he's at. The fact that he's not wearing Jedi robes, but he is in a new hope, yeah. to me, says that he's disconnected a little bit. He's lost hope. He is, all he cares about is making sure Luke is safe. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's in his head to be like, oh, yeah, I can even train Luke. I don't think that's it, like a possibility. Yeah. It's probably just more so letting it, you know, letting Owen and Brew raise him how they want as long as he's healthy and stuff. But yeah, it's very much, it's, you know, like in Spider-Man 2, when he, he like, eats the hot dog, and he's, like, looking at people getting beaten up, and he's like, yeah. I can't get involved. It's that. It's going to be... That's what, what I really... I... <laughs> what a scene to compare to this trauma that Obi-Wan... You know, you know what uh, Toby McGuire's eating a hot dog? This shit's no, it's... like that. <laughs> it's true, like, it's, you know, the fire scene when he saved the little girl, and they go, oh, yeah, one poor soul never made yeah. it out. Yeah. And you're like, oh, damn. It's that sort of emotional, like, mm-hmm. he has to be like, I can't, we're talking about like performances and I could be jumping around the trailer, but there's a, there's a line in this trailer, a bit of dialogue. When you get a great actor, you get great dialogue and you get great music and you get great visuals and you put them all together. I'm going to rewatch that over and over and over again. And I love it when you have a line that just plays in your head. And that Grand Inquisitor line of, the Jedi code is like an itch. 
Yeah. I was like, this is so good. Yeah. And he's like, you'll see the, the plight of the innocent. So you're like, oh, you just know that he's going to have that moment. Where, and you see him like with a blaster. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he it's has like, to go from, I'm really intrigued to see how he goes from the sort of hopelessness and that this isn't, there's no point, like we lost to, mm-hmm. no, there is hope. And the way yeah. he is in Twin Sons, in Rebels. Yeah, the balance, the, the look what I've risen above. But it's an, interesting, it's an interesting sort of dichotomy of emotions because he has to believe less in Vader. That's assuming that this is even about trying to reach Vader. It could be, a, mm-hmm. we don't still know the context of this duel. My, my thoughts have been something compels him, either the memory of Qui-Gon or talking to Yoda, something to say, I have to try to reach him. It's been 10 years. So it's an interesting sort of emotional place. But I could also see, and seeing Owen face off with an Inquisitor, which like if you had told me that five, six years ago, <laughs> that Owen Lars would go face to face with somebody carrying a red lightsaber, I would have been like, what the hell? Um, but I think it's so powerful that it adds weight and gravitas to Owen overprotectiveness that he has literally faced the evil that would come for Luke. Um, mm-hmm. But the those those elements, maybe it's a Owens, maybe what gets him off planet is Owens saying, they're here for you. They don't know about the kid. You need to throw them off the scent. Um, something like that uh, could be interesting yeah. as well. So where do you stand on sort of the, is this show going to be about trying to bring Anakin back? Will this duel be by happenstance when he's out and about? What do you think the emotional plays here are going to be? I think it's easy to just assume that it's going to be straight up Kenobi does. It's all about Kenobi. And that obviously it's shows about Kenobi, so obviously it will be. But also I feel like there's a half and half situation very much. The prequels were about Kenobi and Anakin. And I feel like we are going to see Anakin's side of things because, the, you know, like you said, you don't bring Hayden Christensen back to just have him hanging around. I want to see, like, moments of Hayden as Vader in a meditation chamber, like, with the helmet off. That we see, like, we actually get to see the other side of Empire, of him thinking and meditating. That famous art piece of him thinking about Padme, that sort of stuff I want to hit, like, see. I want to see what's going through his head, especially when he finds out Kenobi's back, because he has to be under the impression that he doesn't know where he is. Um, you know, he's lost Padme. I'm assuming we're going to see Clone Wars flashbacks or flashbacks of any variety, whether it's just not, if it's not just the Clone Wars, but maybe before episode two. That could be interesting, you know, the de-aging technologies there. So yeah, I'm really intrigued to see both sides, both Kenobi and Vader, like thinking on the past, thinking about their, their placement. And I feel like Obi-Wan's going to find a sense of hope out of that, even if it means that he's lost Anakin for good. He finds yeah. a new sort of hopeful look forward. And I feel like Vader is going to have a more... I feel like it will be emotional for Vader too. And I feel like that's interesting to see. For Vader, thinking like having that brush with Kenobi might be like... Because, you know, from, you know, canon, and I love this, Like he, his perspective is that Anakin Skywalker is a different being. He, mm-hmm. he tries to compartmentalize that as a different, you know, that name no longer has any meaning to me, obviously, back in 1983. But since then, you know, in, in his internal monologues in things like Lords of the Sith or in Thrawn Alliances, like he refers to him as the Jedi in his head. He doesn't consider that to be a formal life. He considers it to be a different life altogether. And I think it would be interesting to see that sort of crystallize here. Like Obi-Wan pulls on the Anakin-ness of him in a way that makes him uncomfortable and he has to set more firm boundaries in an interesting way in wherever it is that they meet. It's not going to be Tatooine because he can't know that Kenobi's there. Um, but it's going to be very interesting to see sort of that that interplay um, between the characters for sure. There also seems to be a sort of 
I can only imagine there's going to be some sort of emotional traumatic pain for Kenobi too, because you know the famous line is more machine than man. Like, how did you know that? I'm assuming we have some limb cutting at Star Wars, of course. Um, but how do you react to that? This is a boy you've known since he was ten, a boy you raised, practically a brotherly or fatherly bond between you both, and you left him for dead. You left him burnt, crisping. <laughs> And here he is, like in front of you. Like, how, what does that do to you yeah. emotionally? Yeah, and, and you and have the dual emotions of would, would it have been better off if I had killed him, or yes. what have I done to him? Yeah, did it like my inability to make a decisive choice? You know, I didn't, I could not, or to, to do something decisive because obviously, you know, if you could have could have made the choice to bring him back, you would have. But at that point, it's like I wasn't able to prevent any of this, but I also wasn't able to finish it. I, I let him I let him down from his perspective, but I also didn't have from his perspective his guilt what it takes um, to be the Jedi I needed to be that day and finish him because we know that if Yoda had been able to kill Palpatine that day he would have killed him. You know, Palpatine got the upper hand on him, and so that did not happen. But in terms of Obi Wan, he went into that battle half hearted, and so it'll be interesting to see: is he as half hearted here? Is that going to be part of what his journey is? Is it going to be that emotional conflict of trying to figure out, trying to separate the fact that maybe Obi Wan is also going to have to try to embrace a little bit of what Vader himself is doing and try to treat Vader as a different creature in and of itself from Anakin Skywalker? Um, there's going to be a lot of pain there. I think that it'll be also explored with Owen. Not that Owen and Anakin were like these close stepbrothers, but still from, from having Luke there, I think it would be interesting to see them transition from a working relationship of, you know, you gave us this boy, we appreciate that, and you keep your distance and that's all good, to the visceral dislike that Owen has of him later. Uh, mm. I think that there's going to be stuff there, like maybe I could see something like, Obi leaves planet and then Obi coming back at the end that is like Owen's like okay now you cross the line like you think you can go and like fight and have an adventure or whatever and even maybe maybe Obi says like Owen I I saw Anakin I fought him something like that do Owen and Baru think that Anakin is dead has Obi given them the whole truth or just part of it there's mm-hmm. lots of emotional potential in setting it a decade down the road. That was a big thing in our years of hoping for an Obi-Wan project, movie or show, was, is it going to be right after Jedi? Is it going to be closer to New Hope and or after Sith? But this um, this 10-year mark, I think, is the perfect time to really play, especially because Luke can have dialogue. Luke can ask a, you know, a valid question or two as a 10-year-old and making him almost the same age that Anakin was and having those visual parallels to little Anakin in the trailer, I thought were really powerful. So with that said, um, talking specifically about some of the stuff we got, is there an image in the Entertainment Weekly spread or is there a quote or is there something in the trailer? Um, you know, you mentioned the Grand Inquisitor line. What what stuck out to you the most uh, so far? Yeah, Jewel of the Face was cool. Battle of the Heroes was cool. There's, a, there's another prequel film in there, actually, I think. Um, it's not been confirmed yet, but I'm pretty certain the first theme or like piece of music you hear is the mystery theme from Attack of the Clones that is also used in both uh, the Revenge of the Sith official video game menu best and game. also in the best game. The, yeah, so good. That's what. That's, yeah, that's why there's no war is an Uber power because everyone is jumping across trying to kill crab droids. Um, and in it's, it's used in um, the Rise of Skywalker. It's the. 
You hear like a little bit of it, of that musical theme in the beginning of the trailer before it does is the really sour. Uh, surprisingly, I didn't know how they could make a, a more depressing version of Battle of the Heroes. They have. Incredible. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Again, just hearing you and McGregor as Obi-Wan was weird. It was like hard to get used to in my head. Seeing Joel Edgerton, amazing. One of those actors that you're just so grateful George cast such a great cast. Um, and it's interesting to see what Deborah's going to do with these amazing talents. I think she said the same thing. Like, thank God <laughs> that George cast Joel Edgerton as Owen because there's a lot for him to chew on. Um, yeah, the, the Vader shot that was released afterwards, I think a day after the rest of the stuff. You know how much I love Vader. Um, yeah. So... For, for people that obviously don't know this, above my computer right now are two things. One is my journalism degree, and above that is a little sign, I think, from Disney that says Imperial Lord Darth Vader. Way <laughs> so more that doesn't... Well, yeah. one, one that's like, eh, but then the other, but the Imperial Lord Darth Vader, your real credentials. Yeah, one I worked hard for, the other one is a degree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of these you can buy. But no, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, Vader's one of those things where he's used like the secret sauce. Like every time he shows up at anything, it's like, whoa. And um, they've got that perfect, awesome Krennic design going on. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you know, he built that chamber for Vader. It's like, okay, let's add a few lights. What we need? We need a dark room. Check. Yeah. Meditation chamber. Check. Mm-hmm. Smoke that you don't quite know why it's there, or where it comes out. Check. For yep. Darth Vader staring menacingly, or and or sad. <laughs> Check. Yep. And who is, uh, is it, is it Vinay that is his? Or is that the artist from Rebels? Forget oh, yeah, it's Vinay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the one that goes, Director Klentik has arrived. Yeah, he's got the worst butler gig in the entire galaxy uh, in a lava he has castle. He clean Anakin's butt because he can't clean it himself. I know, that's so true. Out of the back to tank, he's got to fish him. He's got to fish him out of the back to tank every time. <laughs> Like a rope, a slab of evil meat. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just, it's just horrible. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there, yeah, it's everything that you said, spot on. There's something. I mean, we we've been hearing you in, in interviews for years, reference Obi Wan and things, but there was something about it in the context, in character. Hearing the war's over, we lost. Seeing him on that looks like a desert train heading into town next to a little Akiaki from Rise of Skywalker. Him being, you know, walking through town with his EOP, riding the EOP in the desert. The fact that he has yet to get his hut and he's in a cave um, mm-hmm. is just like taking him down, you know, into even further depths. It's just really powerful. And I love what I love about it. And you touched on it with the Grand Inquisitor monologue is that everything the Grand Inquisitor says is true. It's just that he sees that as as negatives that he can use in an opportunistic way. Obi-Wan and everyone that survived in this time, Ahsoka, Kanan Jarrus, Cal Kestis, they all have to dig deep and acknowledge those as positives, that we can't mm-hmm. shake what we are. We are Jedi no matter what, no matter the fact that there was a purge. The purge doesn't define us. It doesn't make us less. They're going to have to find, because so much of Star Wars is just about perspectives. So they're going to have to find those threads between those perspectives, draw on something greater than themselves and, and find hope again. But also, I feel like there's an interesting dichotomy and 
conflict that isn't quite there with characters like Kanan or Cal or Ahsoka because they were Padawans, or in Ahsoka's case, not even really a Jedi. They were Padawans who were kind of, I, I guess Ahsoka was connected in a way, but even then she was distant from the situation in a way that maybe Kenobi and Yoda weren't. And I feel like the pain hits them a little harder because they could have stopped it in a way that obviously Cal and uh, Caleb Doom were kids in a war. They had no say in the grand scheme of things. Anakin, Obi-Wan, Padme, Yoda, like they all had some sort of responsibility to control the situation. Not that it was their fault, of course, just that they're more closer to the inner core. Um, and I think that's what's interesting is that Obi-Wan has a slight, his, his lack of hope is probably a bit more painful because he was the one who raised the man responsible for causing a lot of the pain and the, and the hatred and all that burdens on him. Yeah. He was, you know, like you said, like raising Vader, but also being in that, that leadership role of being a council member, um, having been so intimately involved in the war effort, being there from the, the literal day the war effort started on Geonosis all the way to the literal end. Getting involved, getting involved whatsoever. Like he was there, the clone army, he investigated the clone army. He was like, like you said, yeah, getting involved in war. That's, a, that's That isn't an Anakin situation. That isn't Anakin. That is, there are so many things that went up to all 66 and that is what has to do that Yoda and Obi-Wan have to sort of deal with and wreck with themselves is that they had you know they had a part to play in that as much as Palpatine you know he just he just manipulated it really you know yeah, he, he right stoked the fire time. but he didn't start the fire he didn't start the fire it was always burning yeah I mean it's it's, it's... I'm, I'm leaving now <laughs> Good night. Uh, but... you say that Qui-Gon was it was the piano man <laughs> Yes. Um, so these, these, uh, tra- this trailer shots, these sweeping, beautiful um, shots, what stands out to you visually? I mean, I think that they have pushed the volume to heights that like, I just never thought that, I mean, I knew ILM, you know, it's full of geniuses, you know, ILM, ILM stagecraft. But to think that in Mandalorian season one, it was like, isn't this impressive? Werner Herzog's office is all CGI. And now it's like, here's an entire city with Obi-Wan on a roof. And, and we've got Inquisitors. And there's an entire, like, here's the entire ocean from Fallen Order and the planet of Nur. And like, that's damn. great. That yeah. stuff, freak, that, that, I love the Vegas castle. I love the, uh, the Inquisitorious castle. Um, I love the set we see in live action. There's a lot of stuff stuff from the new era that we get to see in live action for the first time, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Whether that's the Grand Inquisitor, whether it's the, um, fifth, that scene with Fifth Brother and Stormtroopers yeah. walking through the city. Fantastic. That is, that is a highlight in terms of visuals. Um, yeah, there's a lot to go on. And yeah, it's, it's interesting because I know you were, you were talking about the, 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 the visuals. I'm always, I'm always set in my belief that it's going to look visually stunning just because Deborah Chow's doing it, right? And we've seen what she can do, and she's incredible. So in my head, I wasn't really focusing on the visuals as much as I was on the thematic elements of the trailer. So yeah, there's a lot of really cool shots. We've seen the the behind-the-scenes stuff. I'd say the city element looks great. That felt very prequely to me, very much Mm -hmm. the clones. Mm -hmm. The opening sequence with chasing Zam felt very much like that. Wondering if it's Coruscant? That'd be interesting. Yeah, well, I we know one what? of the cities is Dayu. Dayu. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we don't know how many. That's what I say to people when I play uh, video games. Dayu. Uh, Dayu. I mean, it's an interesting point that you bring up with Deborah. And um, we have to talk about her a little bit because you and I have been Deborah Chow fans beyond even Star Wars. I mean, Better Call Saul, yeah. Jessica Jones, 
and her episodes of Mandalorian, like her TV pedigree of directing richly character driven stuff um, is just, you know, second to none. Like I, I remember the day she was announced for Obi-Wan Kenobi. I was like, you could not have done better. This is Mm -hmm. the person. I love all the Mandalorian directors, but I mean, what Deborah did, particularly in chapter three of the sin with this faceless character of making him emotionally arrive at these places it's of wanting to change his life of wanting to make right of wanting to invest in the next generation of grogu and of, of wanting to become a protector and all of that stuff was communicated so beautifully with a brand new character that at the time we'd only known for maybe 80 combined minutes um uh, with those first mm-hmm. two chapters and now she gets to play with this character that we have the beginning of his journey all the way to his death and beyond death and what she could find emotionally in there. It's funny you mentioned The Mandalorian because I'm really excited to see what she does for Obi-Wan because we love Obi-Wan. There's a lot to deal with. There's a lot of drama to break through. And I love, like we just said, Deborah Chow is, she's exce- she's so exceptional. She can tell a story within a story. That, uh, if you go and watch Better Call Saul, there's an episode they did called um, Something Stupid. And it's the opening sequence and it's like, it's like a two frame and you see both um, Jimmy and Kim's separate stories and how they're going through the day and how they feel differently. It's so great. You could just watch just that by itself, not knowing anything about any of the other stuff, like the Breaking Bad universe. And you can see that story. It's exceptional. But like you were saying, sorry, with the Mandalorian, the way she could tell that story and the themes and the, the emotions and the, you know, the, the conflicting feelings within that character with a mask that's what has me excited with with the Vader stuff. Because yes, I do think we're going to see a lot of Hayden, but also I want to see a lot of Vader. And people that say, oh yeah, but Vader can't get really get emotional. Like, say what you want about Richard Marquand, but there's a lot of scenes in Return of the Jedi which are just exceptional in terms of like seeing mm. Vader's chain, like the change in Vader. Yeah. The one that always stands out to me is the, is the exceptional scene on the bridge um, in Endor when Luke says to him, that my father's already gone already dead he goes off and then vader's left by himself and the camera focuses on vader for like an extra minute and you just see him walk over to the bridge look down and it's the saddest moment because <laughs> you know that ever since empire he's 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 started the cogs have started to change ever since the end of empire when he's almost got luke uh, the brilliance of obviously you know the uh of that whole film is that throughout the film you see him kill imperial officers and it's treated almost like a little joke because obviously you know they're incompetent but it's there to show you his ruthlessness so that at the end of empire when he's almost got luke and he's seen the reaction luke's has to the news that he's his father yeah he looks down saddened looks up and you see piet like i'm dead <laughs> he's been killing people for you know you don't know how long empire is is it days is it weeks but he's been killing everyone for a while now he just walks out. And all the Imperial officers are like, this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> he usually kills someone by now. Everybody and you see the cogs, <laughs> you see the cogs turning and you see a lot of, obviously Jedi, the famous moment, of course, when father, please. And you see the, the look yeah. back and the forth. And 
you know, whatever your feelings are on the special editions and the, the no. Of course, it doesn't necessarily need that. I feel like the mask acting does its job, mm-hmm. but I'm really excited to see more of that. I'm really, I really, I want to see more of that stuff in Star Wars. I feel like she's going to do such a great job. Again, I have no doubts in my mind that she's going to be great because she just is. She's an incredible director. And like you were saying, that entire Mandalorian director's I want to see them do more. I feel like the TV stuff is a great starting ground for directors that potentially could take on bigger projects. And it's there as a sort of, let's see what they can do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah. I'll be very much surprised if Bryce, uh, Rick, and the others who haven't currently been attached to a project get one in the yeah. future. Absolutely. Yeah, it just feels like the next natural step. Um, when you have that much talent, that much of an understanding of the themes. And like you said, with that that helmet acting, being able to direct those. I mean, it was it was Deborah that explained that when you can't have the face, every single movement has to matter. And that's so much of what you're describing with original trilogy Vader and and sort of that that larger than life presence that he has, but also being distinctly like intimate and broken and sad. And um, one thing that she's also very good at is handling the new characters as she's as she did in Mandalorian with not just Din and Grogu, but also IG and Quill, Gideon. So it, there's a, a lot going on um, in this show in terms of new as well. Two Inquisitors that we know, two Inquisitors that we don't. One of them played by Moses Ingram is uh, Reva, who has a lot to do in this teaser. She seems to be the core antagonist that they're focusing on, the one that will actually be boots on the ground, hunting Kenobi across these rooftops, through these alleyways and streets. It's, she seems to be the Inquisitor that he's shooting at on the roof. So what interests you about this character, about getting an Inquisitor that um, is specifically an Obi-Wan enemy for this show? And what do you think could be the emotional tension there? You know, then we get into the realm of theorizing here and we could get to the show and then we sound like, you know, doofuses because it was not even close. But I think it would be interesting because knowing that these are all fallen Jedi and Obi-Wan was a council member, et cetera, et cetera. Like, mm-hmm. what if mm-hmm. Obi-Wan's like, that's one of the kids. Like, that's, that's you know, that, that was a, a youngling that I would see every day. Yeah, you're spot on. That's exactly the same thought I had watching the trailer, which I didn't, never thought that before really is the idea because you know we've talked a lot about having Hayden and Ewan back and the idea of potentially seeing Clone Wars flashbacks mm-hmm. and the idea of seeing them on the mission and seeing you know Commander Cody and blah 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 all the clones which I feel like is very likely given that we actually got to see clones in the Mandalorian uh, not Mandalorian season two Boba Fett the book of Boba Fett mm-hmm. um very intriguing to me that they had that on hand I feel like it's never you know there's a reason for it. It's like a testing ground. And if it makes sense story-wise, they'll use it. Yeah. But I think what's very interesting is the idea of if we have a Clone Wars flashback that maybe is set in the Jedi Temple. And I, I would like to see maybe it's not focused on too much, but maybe Anakin and Obi-Wan are talking in the, um, the library. And in the background, you just see the Grand Inquisitor in his temple outfit reading books. That sort of thing. Where the audience can go, oh my God, these were Jedi. And maybe it's explored a little bit more. Maybe you see like a little girl that um, you realize, oh, that's the Inquisitor. Because we have to remember for us, we, yes, we're, we are people that have watched Rebels. We know the Grand Inquisitor used to be a Jedi because we watched Rebels season two. Yep. We've played uh, Jedi Fallen Order. We know that. We've read the comics. With the live action stuff, people don't know this. People watch the trailer and we're like, who is that? 
there's loads of sifts here like what and that's good that's not me criticizing at all that's i love that because i love seeing people find out about these characters that we love that's that's so cool and i think what's really great is just seeing people realize that order 66 was more horrible than you could imagine not only did they kill all these people but the people that survived or like kids were turned to and sort of gave up their souls to murder others and end up dead themselves, you know? Which is the reason yeah. why I don't see the Inquisitorious by the end of, uh, or, or by the beginning of the uh, original trilogy. It's because, you know, they've met a fate, in some cases, a fate worse than death. When you see the 100%. Inquisitor in the, when you see what happened to the Inquisitor post-Rebels, mm-hmm. you know, you think, oh, okay, well, he died. That's that's his fate. It's horrible. You find out that, no, it's not. that's not the end of his story. Yeah. It's even worse and messed up. He's that doomed end to... Of yeah for those of you that haven't read uh, the greg pak um beta run but the inquisitor is doomed to sort of be a haunted a haunting specter forever being consumed by flame uh that can't actually cross over and say because the don't get to cross over i mean darksiders darksiders because of their selfishness do not get to access the realm of immortality that's that's the the power of selflessness that's how you become a force ghost and i think that um, for Kenobi's sake, now that I'm touching on that, I think that it would be interesting at the end of this show, in facing Vader, even though it's not successful, if Qui Gon reaches out and says, "That was the trial, like you did it, like you, 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 you pushed yourself to that next level, um, you pushed yourself through, you've forgiven yourself now, and and because of that." And you've put the boy first. You've put Owen and Baru first. Um, you will be able to access. But it's true. I mean, this Inquisitor, there's so much potential. They've, they've done an interesting job of adding backstories to some of these villains. Um, and Star Wars is always good, again, at building in that that background, that story. We saw that Trilla was a Padawan of Seer and Fallen Order. So you could sort of play with a similar dynamic there. But if, if Obi-Wan's like, oh, my God, like that was one of the kids. Like, that that adds an even further element. And like you're saying, like, the, the Purge, Order 66, wasn't just, like, let's kill them all palpatine also was like let's kill them all but i do have this list of particularly weak people that i think could also um, be taken advantage of this inquisitor is very uh selfish and he has a thirst for knowledge and he feels very rejected right now so we could take advantage of him or this jedi temple guard he would have been at the time becomes the inquisitor um yeah you know these you know there was throughout the clone wars um, and into the inquisitor days and the early days of the empire there was the effort to capture force sensitive kids and babies um, that clearly has extended all the way into the days of, of Grogu, um, how that will factor in. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that are like, will Grogu be in this show? Will he be in a platform? I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think that, you know, this is going to be pretty distinctly um, say within the realm sort of, of what we know, but I could see some connective tissue, fun things. Do you have any fun predictions? I've jokingly said that I think we'll see like young Pelly. That'd be good. That'd be but I, yeah, but like even if there was like a yeah, like a young girl in a garage with like big curly hair or something like that, like it's those those throwaway things could be really interesting. Like a young comedian to yeah. play it. Oh, I said on Twitter I want Chloe Feynman in a, in a curly. Oh, in a that'd curly be great. Wig. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be good. Like, yeah, SNL. Speaking of which, <laughs> when I read the thing for the first time, I thought the Inquisitor, <laughs> the Inquisitor was called Reba, <laughs> and now I want. <laughs> Reba McIntyre. No, I want uh, Keenan Thompson to be an Inquisitor. Oh, <laughs> oh Lord. Keenan Thompson would be great. I mean, hey, if Bobby Moynihan could join Star Wars, uh, I feel like Keenan Thompson would be very well. And that's the thing that we're forgetting, too, is in general. Like, we're joking, but this show will have levity. Like, we forget that. Mm-hmm. 
You know, that's something that Kathleen Kennedy said the other day, and a lot of people, of course, got into a tizzy like they do every time she talks. But she said the, the, the first drafts, the first scripts were bleak. She's like, and this is, you know, we still need to inspire hope. And she's right. I love that quote because this is not, it's going to be grim because you're finding your character at a grim place, but this is not the dark night. This is not the Godfather. These are stories about challenges, but we are still That's, moving forward. I mean, we've talked about this before. And this is my my mantra, my favorite. You know, I always joked before, like, oh, great, another episode three, four period. And then of recent years, I've just really been like, you know what? No, this is a very intriguing part of the history of the galaxy because for me, this period is fundamentally shaped by two dramatic themes, and that is tragedy and hope. Stories told within this period tend to have both, and that's what makes it very interesting because it is a period of, of tragedy and hope. It's very much, you know, rebels, very sad moments, but also hopeful. Mm-hmm. Um, Rogue One, you know, every character dies, the main character dies, but at the end, you're left not feeling, oh, this is sad, like, no, no, what a waste of time. You know that that's going to end with the Death Star blowing up. So it's hopeful. And it's the same with Kenobi. You know, it's going to be depressing, but also beautiful and hopeful. And I think what's really cool in terms of fe- uh, themes and the way they've used that in the imagery is the cover for Entertainment Weekly. It's a darkened sky with the two suns showing. And to me, that symbolizes that, you know, we're not out of, you know, we're not out of the night yet. We're not out of the dark yet, but yeah. we're close. We're getting there. Yeah. And that's what's important, you know? He has to get to that point where he goes, well, you know, we're going to get there. We'll get there. And that's why it's called A New Hope and not Great, this happened again. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's not called uh, Another Monday. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I <laughs> I think it's, it's, you're 100% right. I mean, it has to still have the full momentum. Even Revenge of the Sith ends, ends with, the most hopeful, with the baby. Like, that's, yeah. with both babies being welcomed and held and loved, you know? That's, Love doesn't die because the galaxy's in peril. Those those ideas will always be there, and that's what's important, and that's what hope will always be there. And that's what you've got to cling to, and that's what, you know... It doesn't mean that it doesn't diminish the, the pain and the tragedy, and because that's equally important, especially in this time period in terms of character and story. Mm-hmm. But that's what's interesting about this period, is because it is both. You have to have both, and they challenge each other. Hope can be diminished by tragedy and uh, tragedy can be healed or you know helped by hope and yeah. that's what you see you know we might see vader go down a darker path we might see kenobi go in a more hopeful path and that's what's interesting about this story for me and that's why i love that the trailer starts with the dialogue of it's over because i could absolutely see that being a conversation maybe with yoda and then yoda can challenge him like yoda is known to do and be like hmm, lost have we or are we just, mm-hmm. are we doing our duty? That's the interesting stuff. But on top of those themes, those lighter themes, um, there's still, we know there's got to be comedy. We've got one of the Safdie brothers in the show. Kumail is in the show. Um, so there's gonna, there's tons of characters that we haven't yet to see um, that I'm very excited about. Everything that they're saying has just been so, has resonated with me so much about this return to these characters, about how the prequel generation is having this moment, how these characters... Can I talk about time. that? Can I talk about that yeah. for specifically for a moment? Because that's actually the thing that's stood out to me the most recently of the talks. Yeah, please. Is how emotional I felt. Because, you know, we were, we were prequel kids. 
We grew up with those films. They meant a lot to us. And having the general consensus be, they suck, they're terrible, what a waste of time. And you get people like you and having to like fall back and be like, yeah, they were they were pretty bad. Like we didn't get to act against anything. And you know, like having to, because you, you you get beaten down and you're like, yeah, I have to, you, have to, you go, yeah, I'm sorry, man. Like, we didn't, we ruined that for you. Now we've seen him realize the effect he has on people. And he's now noticed that because that generation, us, uh, are adults now, <laughs> and he's seen and he's seeing the the way that those films actually did touch us. And he said it a lot. And he's not just said it like once and been like, yeah, you know, whatever. He's repeated it. He said, for me and Hayden, it felt like it was just yesterday for us coming back. And I'm sure Hayden probably told him like the reaction he had, separation and all that stuff. To the point where you see him, I don't know, I can't remember the exact quote, but Ewan was like, yeah, these kids grew up in this film and now we actually understand what that meant. Like, the, they had the same feeling towards the films that we had when we watched them, the originals. Like, this was their Star Wars. And that's so true because we love, like, we watched Star Wars. We grew up in Star Wars too. But the prequels were like, we lived the prequels. And that in itself is a different atmosphere when you live through Star Wars. When you're young, it's something else. It's just them. It's the cereals. It's the having the Revenge of the Sith cornflakes puzzle, <laughs> lightsaber toy, whatever you got. It's having Top Trumps. It's having the Revenge of the Sith official video game. and Go-Gurt. It's having Go-Gurt. <laughs> it's having the Jar Jar tongue. And I think for a while, that, that conversation was naturally, you know, drafted by older people. Because they were the people with the microphones, they were the people with the voice at the time, and now we're in a position where actually more people have been like, "No, those films are great. We watched those, but you know, you could do the same thing for the original Star Wars." And people did. That's what people forget. People did go, oh, "That's a kids' film," and all that. I was reading. Um, I've been getting a lot back into the Beatles recently and delving into like George Harrison and stuff. And um, uh, Danny Harrison, who is his son who is in episode nine as a stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. He is um, he is friends with uh, Hayden Christensen because he actually uh, like used to like hang out with him when Star Wars was being filmed. And that was like a year after his dad died. And so he fundamentally, like one, he just loves Star Wars anyway. Like he loved Star Wars growing up. Um, but having to have that thematic sort of element of being like, yeah, this my my best one of my best friends is Anakin Skywalker, which is pretty cool. But also, that helped me out during a time where things were really tough. You know, that was really cool to watch. And you know, his his favorite character is Obi Wan. So I'm like, come on, put Danny Harrison in the show. His best friend is Rupert Friend. Oh, you know, like and and they're both in the uh, I don't know if you've seen the latest George Harrison music video for My Sweet Lord yeah. with Mark Hamill in it Fred Armisen and you see like two cool them, yeah. yeah two cool people standing up on, the, on like looking out like like detectives that is him and Rupert Friend mm. which is really cool and he was talking about how much George Harrison loves Star Wars which is really cool to hear you know like, like the coolest dude ever like loves Star Wars and he said one of the reasons he loved it was because when you one of the quotes he said to him as a, as a kid was if you speak to people about God, their, cur- their toes start curling up because they don't like it. If you talk about God, oh, I can't talk about God. Like That's a, that's a dangerous topic. Can't talk about God um, and spirit- spirituality. But if you replace the word God with the force, <laughs> it's so much palatable for people. And so he really appreciated that Star Wars could teach generations about spirituality and what it means to live your life and be good and, you know, do, do, do or do not. There is no try. All that teachings 
it's far more palatable to use that than to say, you know, if you said, oh yeah, God is all around us, you're like, ooh, what a weirdo. Yeah. If you say, oh yeah, the force is with you, the force is all around us, you're like, oh yeah, that's neat. Uh, oh, but of course, <laughs> yeah, like I saw New Hope, of yeah. course it is, yeah. And I think those direct themes are going to come to the forefront here, I mean, because Obi-Wan circa Empire, when he starts to give back some of Yoda's counsel, you know, because Yoda by Empire is he's having his moment of resistance and he's being mm-hmm. challenged. Oh, this kid's not the right kid. We know in canon that he wanted to train Leia. Uh, he's this and that. Now he doesn't have the right serious mind. And Obi-Wan's the one that's like, he will learn patience. The, the foundation of that belief is going to be in this series. And in terms of that spirituality, a lot of the times people say, insert deity, whatever they believe in, um, has a plan. Obi-Wan's patience in his preaching of those ideals and, and trying to reach Yoda and connect these two people and his belief that that Luke could be the right apprentice for him and could be what they needed in this moment is about belief. It is about surrendering to that bigger something. It is about having patience. He realizes by the end of that 19 years what patience has given him. And that's the smile. You know, this show will beautifully enhance the smile that he gives when he looks over and he sees the twins are together we did it yeah there's some we picked up some colorful characters along the way and they're cool too <laughs> but the, the the great thing and i i'll reference um joseph scrimshaw from force center what's great about you know people say that obi-wan and vader are one and one that obi-wan one on mustafar and vader one on the death star mm. they're they're not obi-wan is two and oh on him Maybe Vader will best him here and Obi-Wan will make a daring escape or something. But by the time of New Hope, Vader doesn't even know what the duel is about. He's in the, and now I am the master. Kill, kill, kill. But Obi-Wan's stalling. That's, that's why he can do the look at the kid's smile. Like, it's over. I feel like if you have to double check to see if your opponent has died, by stepping on a cloak, you haven't won. I always like to think that maybe Vader's like, has he learned to miniaturize himself? I need to check. <laughs> In particles. <laughs> <So he's> like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot of that. And I feel like what's interesting as well is that we haven't really talked about like who could potentially be in the series that hasn't been announced officially. And I think that is a key part too. Like We never really talk about how the rebellion affected Obi-Wan. Because clearly it did. You know... If you watch Rogue One, and if you watch a new, obviously a New Hope, like this, the whole point, the whole plot, Bell seems pretty convinced that if called, Obi Wan will come back into the picture. And I feel like we have to see that. I feel like we have to. See, maybe he's inspired by the rebellion, in a sense. You know, he, he's very much like when they're like rebellion needs you. It's like, okay, come on, kid, we're going. <laughs> no, yeah. it's not like oh, I don't, I don't know. Maybe no, they'll work it out. Like it, it's pretty much. Yeah, I'm getting back into the picture for this. I need to help them out. Right. And I think that is what's interesting. And also, you were saying about with Yoda. I think there's an interesting tension between them, Obi-Wan and Yoda, which, like you said, I'm interested to see explored. And it's, it's delved into both the original trilogy and the Clone Wars arc. And what I love about that is, once again, spirit, spirituality-wise, there's that core concept of what is present, past, and future. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying the whole George Harrison thing as well. He said, um, 
you know there's no point thinking about what if there's no point saying what would we have done what would mm-hmm. what could i do you know that happened because it happened and it will happen because it will happen past the future the future is the past and the present is all you know and that's everything's what, flux that's what world between worlds establishes you know firmly in the star yeah. wars lore and people say like oh well, the clone the clone Wars says it yeah the qui-gon jinn pretty much confirms he's like i've seen everything that's gonna happen you know it has happened mm-hmm. he's like Yoda goes will we win the war and he goes yeah you will just not the way you think you know mm-hmm. he's not gonna be like oh yeah by the way everyone's gonna die it's gonna take about 19 yeah. years because those are not that's not his because again, it, that comes from a place of selflessness. Like to interfere would be selfishness. You know, that would not be the letting go. I don't. I don't yeah, I, I think it's two things. I think selflessness is is part of it, but I also feel like it's it's just never the inevitability. It's not a case of well, I get because you, you do have your own actions. That's true. You do have your own actions. You can choose to do something, yes or no. But there's also the sense of yeah, but it, but that's going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. To quite. It's like there's no point debating it with Yoda because that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, Yoda tries to change things and it ends up the way anyway. Yeah, and I think that you know there's a lot of people that question like we could just access the world between worlds and bring X character back or you know Ezra could have saved Kane and it's like the point of that is not that it's possible you could abuse that power. That's why it's good that Palpatine didn't get it. But Mm -hmm. what the world is showing you, what that realm is showing you, what that state of being is showing you is that everything's already laid out. Like you said, past, present, everything. I mean, that's in, from a certain point of view, the short story with Qui-Gon Master and Apprentice that, you know, later the novel would be named that title as well. Qui-Gon, to be, to assemble yourself as a ghost, to come back, you rip yourself out of eternity and you assemble yourself as a point. That's a really clever canon explanation as to why Anakin could be Hayden in Return of the Jedi, because you're pulling yourself out of whatever particular time you feel like. But it's, yeah, I mean, it's the the idea of, of surrender, I think, has to be such a key theme in this show to getting Obi-Wan to that emotional place of, it's not a finite wins and losses. Order 66 was a, a, a massive death event, a mass trauma event, but it will go on past you. It'll go on past Luke. And the other thing about the show is that we know how what George feels about the Chosen One, and that he believes it's Anakin, but characters don't have to think what the creator thinks. And we know that by the time of Twin Sons, Obi-Wan thinks Luke is the Chosen One. So mm. will he be doing conversation about that here? Will he be doing reading on that here, meditating? Would Where will that play into his belief about Luke um, that he's able to later comfort Maul with. It's very, very interesting stuff. And, uh, and he's not necessarily wrong. He's a, Luke's a conduit for the Chosen One. Like, yeah. He's there to help enable the Chosen One to do what he's supposed to do. You know, like, it, like it's, the, it's the famous, you know, prophecies never just tell you what to do, do they? Like, that's the thing about prophecies. They're not like a, a manual. No. <laughs> they're very vague. The code be and... more guidelines. <laughs> Which is, which exactly is exactly that. Which is true, and I and I've said that before. Like I think it's more a chosen, a chosen lineage. Like you said, conduits. Like from from Shmi all the way down. I mean, Shmi was the was the virgin birth. You know, Shmi mm. was the the one empowered and and charged with the creation of this with no father. So like, is Shmi not the chosen one? Is is Ray not the chosen one for being the torch bearer by the time 
they've left this realm into immortality and she's the one now that is able to commune with the so they're the most different parts of a chosen arc that i've always found to be really compelling and maybe obi-wan will explore that here um you had said in terms of characters showing up i think Bale's probably a really good bet i think that makes a lot of sense um, i think lay is a good bet i think lay is a good bet i think that uh dexter jetster elon sleaze bagano no i'm kidding uh, mm. as much as i would I would lose it if, like, he's I think on Dexter this, would be a great inclusion. If he's on this city of Dayu and Dexter is like, Obi Wan, oh, I moved over here after Coruscant got crazy. I established. Then he's like, Einer. <laughs> Bang! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello, Dex. Oh, man. That, that would be fantastic. Bang! Your fucking book. Think that you, Jedi, would have a greater respect for the difference between knowledge and. <laughs> wisdom uh he's so great what a great character um where do you stand on like cody empire cody theories and things like that do i want to see more tomorrow morrison absolutely and anything you could say oh yeah he's back in <laughs> this this other unrelated thing i'd be like yeah sure i'd love to see cody but i feel like he's his own threat in a way that it's interesting. I feel like he can only appear really in a Kenobi story because I feel like that he's so closely tied to that. But then there's also, you know, Rex. That's an interesting story to tell. So maybe that would be a good story for maybe the Bad Batch. You know, even though obviously it won't be tomorrow, which is a whole other conflict within itself. Maybe the story-wise, it could be interesting for the Bad Batch to explore in terms of Rex and the economy between those two characters. But I I wouldn't mind him appearing in Kenobi. I thought there's a lot of characters that could actually reappear in this, you know. I you know, we've talked about the fact that Natalie Portman came back for like a what if episode. My God, could you imagine could you imagine live action Natalie Portman again? I think about it all the time. I would lose it. She very quietly, either last year or the year before, did Star Wars autographs for the first time. Who knows? I would love to see her either in a vision. Um, if Vader visits her, the mausoleum, the, you know, the, her tomb on Naboo, touches it, sees a vision. Or Charles Soule in his Vader run has that amazing moment where Vader has that vision, sees her, and she turns around, and then it turns very horror movie, and she goes, "Are you an angel?" and delivers that line from Phantom. And, oh my God, something like that would be. Complete get Black Swan Natalie Portman in this show as a as a vision of Padme would be horrific. I would love it. Or like a vision of what could have been. Like you like you see a like you see like a vision of like Obi Wan looking happily with Anakin. Like kind of like that scene in the Clone Wars in the Yoda arc when he goes and sees Qui Gon alive with yeah Dooku. Dooku oh, Jedi. Master. Yeah, we were just talking about that story. <laughs> and that was part of um, Yoda's trials gain that immortality so i think would be pretty rad they'll never do it ever right i'm so wanting to them to explore i guess because the reason why it might happen is because they don't want to explore the mysticism of it but they've already explained that once you have made a version of yourself in the force um there's like a whole other world out there really a whole other universe i would kill for like a season two of kenobi that is set after Return of the Jedi. And it's like mm-hmm. Obi-Wan training Anakin again in a new way. You know, that would be that's what, in my mindset, what I've always, 
what I've always thought, my own head canon, is that after episode six, Obi-Wan and trained Anakin and they come back together there and you know their friendship has been reformed but Anakin does have to make up for the things he's done and he does it by becoming a hero again and he helps out people in this other realm and yeah to the point where I I love that stuff in my in my head is the idea of Ben waking up after episode nine not sure where he is and you just hear hand reach out and it's Anakin's and it's like nice to meet you that sort of and him training Ben Maybe. And what's great is that there's always That'd that question good. of, well, if Revenge of the Sith says it takes training, then how did Anakin show up on Endor? But the thing about that is that because that realm exists out of time, like the time between Vader saying, tell your sister, you were right. And the Endor celebration, that could be years in this other realm. It could be as much time as it needs, like for Ana- for Obi See, I... to train him and to help him cross over. I always read that differently one of the things i really loved about the new stuff of star wars is that they really explored something that didn't really get explored too much elsewhere which is if you see it in the um the vr vader immortal games it's there a lot it's the idea of both palpatine and vader are looking to extend their life forces they're researching like they're researching the hell out of it vader and palpatine have two different reasons for doing so uh, although also they've got the shared goal of obviously living forever. Vader mostly wants to use it to bring Padme back, right? That you see in the, the Charles Saul comic of the whole building of the Vader's castle. Uh, you see it in the Vader Immortal game, which expands on that. You see that whole little scene where Anna, like Padme basically refutes him. You see um, the whole of Exegol, you know, that, that the entirety of Palpatine coming back is based on the foundation of that They've been trying to research this like immortality or extending their lives for ages, whether that's for the use of cloning or spirituality. I mean, the world between worlds is pretty much him confirming that that's what he wanted it for. You know, to cement his rule for eternity. So, in my mind, Vader has explained, like, has, has explored, and maybe, maybe him and Palpatine. I don't know if Palpatine did, but maybe Vader kept it to himself, found out about those teachings, but couldn't access it. Because he was not a Jedi. And it wasn't until he sacrifices himself and willingly, selflessly dies saving his son that he's able to do that, you know? And then, but maybe there is that. Maybe there is that little gap in time. I don't know. It's just interesting. And that's what kind of the fun of not knowing completely. But I would like to see more explored after that time period. I've been like... You can tell stories with Obi-Wan and Anakin after episode six. Mm-hmm. Whether people would like that, whether George would like that, I'm not sure, but yeah, I would love it. I agree. By the time you get to episode nine and the the voices of the Jedi pass, like how did they reach out if you know if, if it was like XYZ and maybe it's Obi-Wan and Anakin opening the door that way their voices can get through. It's all types of stuff that, that you can get into. Like, but... Could do you imagine if Mace Windu is saved by Anakin in terms of like his like spirit? from the future <laughs> like i love that stuff i love the idea of like qui-gon is like don't worry everything will be fine because behind him anakin and everyone in yoda are there <laughs> you know yeah meta blowing of course mm-hmm. um so do you have any final thoughts on the trailer or anything that we've gotten on this show before we start to wrap up yeah it sucks <laughs> i'm joking uh it's gonna be it's gonna be a financial failure Catherine Kennedy's going to be fired again. Uh, Pablo's been <laughs> fighting back against everything. Yep. Now, I, I'm really excited about the show. 
I'm very excited to see more info about it in form of another trailer or another poster or whatever. Very excited to see you. I'm just excited. And I know it's really lame, but it's just nice to be back in that. The only thing I'm bummed about is that we don't have to see any sort of merch standards as um, 2005. Again, I'm not complaining like, oh, this should be the same. Because obviously kids don't play with toys anymore. Things are different. Yeah, I get it. But you know, as soon as if we go to celebration, they announce like a Kenobi figure. Oh, I'm going to be punching kids and like, throwing dogs out the way. Oh, 100%. It'd be like, you know, this, you know that um, episode of The Simpsons, Major the Mob. Mm-hmm. When he saves Mark Hamill, he's like just mm-hmm. kicking people whilst holding it. It's gonna be me. <laughs> Be like, go the way, nerds. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> just get that open figure. Yeah. Oh god, I'm so excited. I wonder if they're gonna go full on retro and do the um, do the thing that they did with Attack of the Clones, which for some reason Hasbro were like, okay, Episode One voice chips, they're cool, they're futuristic, the hip, you know. They're pretty neat. And then the technical clients are like, what do kids like? Uh, magnets. We'll do magnet yeah. shit. <laughs> Remember that? The flip. Yeah. Flip the Jedi. And it was like a, two circular discs that you could connect. And you could have a count. Do- I'm going to do this visually. So obviously the audio listeners can't see it. Sure. Because they ain't got a video one. But, and I'll describe it. But it's like Count Dooku like this. <laughs> It's so true. It's Man. like, you can't do anything with it. You can't do anything else with that character because he's just constantly crouching. Mm-hmm. And you can't really fight either because the two little magnetic things aren't that magnetic. Nope. <laughs> and so what you'd do was you'd put it on the platform and they'd fall over. So all you would have is Obi-Wan versus Count Dooku. Yeah. Like a cat on the floor going. We deserve that as a society. We need that. We need that in we need that in HD, man. We they used to in... take chances, man. Oh, <laughs> man. That was good stuff. Well, this this whole conversation's been great. Um, you know, we talked about the trailer. If I had any other last thoughts on the trailer, it's just that it's probably one of the best edited that they've done ever. Mm. It's the best TV trailer by far. Charlie This might be the best teaser trailer since TFA. Oh, I agree. 100%. This is the best teaser since, uh, well, I guess Chewie We're Home was Force Awakens trailer 2, I guess, technically. Yeah, um, no, I've, I'm talking about yeah, the original, like yeah. the, the BB-8 the, the Thanksgiving. first reveal, the, the thin. Yeah. yeah, Thanksgiving 2014. <sighs> God. Um, well, yeah, so why don't you tell everybody, now that we're wrapping up, thank you for this wonderful Obi-Wan conversation. We'll do it again soon, and of course, when the show starts, we'll do some collaboration. Uh, it might be live, right? What might be live? Well, by the time the first episode comes out, we could potentially be in the same room. We will will definitely be in the same room uh, that that weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's going to be, oh boy, it's going to be nuts. Uh, First episode um, coming out right before Star Celebration. I'm sure that having Ewan and Hayden there, not just to celebrate Clone's 20th anniversary, but also this show launching 20 years after they became a duo is just like, it's going to be insane. And, I'm, and like, I'm praying that like, it's like Attack of the Clones 20th anniversary panel, the two of them, Ahmed Best, Tamora. Like, it would just be, that, that panel is going to be the place to be. Um, and I, I cannot wait. But why don't you tell everybody- Stop this, uh, Carson. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why don't you tell everybody where they can uh, find you, what you're up to and uh, where they can find you on social, all that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Um, you can find me on Twitter at C-M-W-A-S-H-B-Y and on Instagram at Charlie M.W. Ashby. Uh, that's mainly where you can find me. In terms of podcasts, the Imperial Snip Podcast on Twitter at ImpSnipPod, on Instagram at Imperial Snip Podcast, and on YouTube, you can just search for the Imperial Snip Podcast. We've been doing loads of reactions there. Claire did a reaction for the Kenobi trailer, which is really fun, really incredible. You can see the joy in her face, the, just the pure ridiculousness of everything. Pretty rad. Uh, we did live shows for all the TV stuff. We'll be doing that for Kenobi when that comes out. Not sure exactly how we're going to do that. Maybe we'll do a video podcast when we get to Celebration. That'd be interesting. You can find uh, my own podcast, although I'm currently on hiatus with those, but we're going to get some more stuff going there. you got the Batman Returned with Alden, where we go through every single Batman film. Of course, I need to watch the new Batman film before we can get that back. Uh, we've got those other shows, like the Charlie Ashby show and Ponder Vision, which is on a hiatus right now. And there'll be more news about that soon, so I'm very interested to talk about that. But yeah, for sure, check out the Imperial Snap podcast. We'll be back soon. We've got a lot of fun stuff going on. We'll be talking about Kenobi. And yeah, celebration. As for this show, um, before we plug our socials, we do want to draw attention, of course, to our good friends at the Amadala Initiative, which is at Amadala Helps on Twitter. Um, they have presence on Twitter, other social media via the individuals involved, but Twitter is the main hub where you can find the links to the GoFundMe, raising money for Equality Texas as they help and contribute to the pushback against some of the bigotry and hate that is coming from officials in Texas, from the government there. If you're not familiar with the situation, it's it's very 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 in depth, of course, in terms of the actual verbiage. But the you know essentially there is a fight in Texas right now, which it's, it's heinous to even express, you know, to even think about that parents could be deemed abusers of their own children uh, by affirming who they are, by supporting them and loving them um, as they, you know, head down their life path and their, and their journey as trans kids. And that's, it's just, it's violently, viscerally awful. Um, and so I'm so honored to have this show as one of the 77 creators, a number which was oddly, oddly poignant, you know, for what we're doing, the 77 creators that got together to help raise money um those links are in the bottom below shout out to bin shout out to chase shout out to everybody involved again that's at amadala helps that's also in the description so and then lastly of course uh, the show uh, and me personally at that alden diaz t-h-a-t-a-l-d-e-n-d-i-a-z on twitter and instagram the show and all of our podcasts all three of our shows octo radio a-h-c-h-t-o radio but for right now punch it chewy punch it chewy